Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, December 13th, 2021. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. How are things going, Alex? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So I've got, you know, some personal news. I'm, I'm excited that, uh, you know, I'm going to be getting back out onto stage with the band. I don't know if I mentioned this to you the other day, but we have a concert, the first concert since covid uh, has, you know, been kind of getting in the way of those things. So I'm kind of looking forward to that next week. No, fantastic. Maybe we'll get some, some new music clip to intro the wiretaps from your concert. <laughs> we'll have to see. <laughs> we'll have to see. Um, but yes, and speaking of music, I don't know if you ever listened to this podcast called How I Built This, which is a podcast, on, I think it's run by NPR. And it's it's basically, they have this guy at NPR who sits down with people who've started companies and, you know, just explores how they got to where they are. And, he, and his company's big and small, right? So, uh, but they did one with a, about a record label the other day called Merge Records, which is a kind of an indie label. And they actually sat down with the founders of that who are also in a band called Super Chunk. And I don't know if people like that sort of thing, but I, it was totally up my alley to learn sort of, they described running a record label as like being a venture capitalist. You may, you make all these bets on bands and you know that most of them are not going to sell that many records and you just hope that one of them in the case of merge it was a band called the arcade fire um kind of comes through and makes you know pays for all the other <laughs> projects that you've got running yeah so anyway it was interesting yeah it makes perfect sense as someone in a completely different domain but you know obviously i've done a, a couple of books self-published and basically in that domain you're 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 an entrepreneur you're you're, yeah. you're hoping that that it sticks but but yeah you, you could call yourself an author or a publisher or whatever but fundamentally you're you're an entrepreneur yeah well said yeah so um let's get into the mba stuff so what happened last week because i know it was kind of a nut <laughs> nutty week in terms of decisions and everything yeah lots and lots of decisions came out last week livewire was really sort of vibrant in terms of sort of returning to to its peaks of last season, which is always great to see for the first time um, this season. So, yeah. I mean, the big the big news, obviously, was um, Harvard-Stanford releasing their decisions. And I, I did, you know, uh, remember reading one post of you know, someone that got, got a, 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 a rejection from Stanford and, and basically said that just took this little bit of the edge off, the sting off the admit from HBS that had come um, either the day before or shortly thereafter or whatever it was. But I mean, these are clearly first world problems when you get into one of the top two and not the other. And it, it, yeah, it's, it's a super interesting week last week, no doubt. But lots of schools, not just Harvard and Stanford releasing decisions. And then this upcoming week, the, the days ahead of us, we still got some other leading programs scheduled to release decisions. So Wharton and Sloan would be the, the marquee um, schools, but obviously Haas um, right behind them, and, and we've got Duke, Anderson, Cornell, um, and uh, McCombs, and, and so forth. So yeah, lots of lots of activity to come this week, Graham. Yeah, it's I love to see all the posts on the wires, and yeah, you know, ideally everybody gets in somewhere. That's the <laughs> optimal solution. Um, but this this strange period where you don't have all your decisions in, and you're trying to figure out where you're going to go. And I will put in a brief plug for Decision Wire, which is a tool on the site that you use once you've got your offers or you know know kind of what you're thinking. You can kind of post there and say, hey, I got in here. Here's where I'm going to go. Or you can post undecided and let the peanut gallery um, or Alex or you know other members. <laughs> 
of our team weigh in on what you might might want to do with various choices you have. So yeah, keep keep an eye on Decision Wire as well. Uh, Alex, over on the website, we ran a couple more Real Humans pieces. One was with Chicago Booth, which was. Uh, you know, we, I think we talked to five or six students there. And then we also did one with Rice um, down in Texas. So a couple more of those for people to read. There was a piece that um, we ran that uh, the director of admissions from Georgetown put out this interesting story about kind of dispelling myths for women and the MBA. So just all about, um, you know, some of the stuff that's the stereotypes and things that are out there when it comes to women and management education. So that's a good read as well. And, you know, obviously the interview reports continue to flow in on the site. Uh, we love seeing those, adding those to the archives. Again, we have the largest archive across the internet of interview reports for MBA applicants. So very cool stuff. Um, and then the last thing, Alex, is that I did, as I mentioned, I think a couple of weeks ago, is I sat down with Bruce Delmonico from Yale School of Management. And we recorded a, a special episode of the podcast where did an admissions director, you know, Q&A, and that aired last week. So if you missed that, um, go back and, and listen if you're interested in Yale. Bruce is just such a great guy that it's a, a fun listen. Maybe even if you're not applying to Yale, he had a lot of good advice. So um, tune into that. Uh, yeah, other than that, you know, the only, I guess th there is one other thing, Alex, which is that I think we're going to do Clubhouse again this week, right? That's the plan, Clubhouse on Thursday. So let's have a good conversation about folks that got their decisions over the last several weeks, as well as folks that are planning their strategy for round two, because quite frankly, Graham, round two is literally just round the corner. Yeah, I think people who join us, uh, it's going to be this Thursday at noon Eastern. Yeah, you can either um, bask in the glow of acceptances and maybe ask us where, <laughs> where you think you, where we think you should go, um, or you know, if you've had bad news or you're working on round two applications, we can obviously chime in on strategy there. I did want to mention Alex, we got another review. So it's like two weeks in a row, I think, where we've had reviews. And this review, um, I have to read it on the air, and you'll know why when I when I get through it. I did share it with you on on Slack the other day, but it's from somebody named. Justin, and he writes that uh, the, the podcast is valuable for folks at any stage of MBA admissions. He says, Graham and Alex are great at what they do. Specifically, their wiretaps episodes are a great resource for anyone wondering which schools to target. There's a lot of misinformation out there, but these fellas help to clear some of that up. Write your story on ApplyWire on ClearAdmit's site, and you might be lucky enough to get a segment of the podcast dedicated to your questions. Basically, free admissions consulting from two pros. P.S. Everyone raves about Alex's accent, and rightfully so. But in my opinion, Graham has a very underrated voice. Smooth yet peppy. 10 out of 10, recommend. <laughs> so that's, I, you know, it is true. No one's ever commented on my voice because I just have that plain old, you know, American accent. But <laughs> so it's good to get get some props from Justin. So we're going to thank him for submitting that. What, what do you have to say about this, Alex? <laughs> I just want to know where everyone's raving because I want to go join the rave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, it is fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled, quite frankly, that folks really appreciate the Wiretaps episodes because, you know, obviously, you know, it, when we first started doing it, we didn't know uh, if people would tune in and, and, and listen and, you know, like the format or whatever. But I think it's proven quite successful. So, so, so yeah, um, thank you, for Justin, for those very kind words. But we're seeing, yeah, some really good positive momentum, which I think is terrific. 
Yeah, very cool stuff. So um, let's move on and talk about the candidates that you picked out for this week. Um, if you're ready to do that, I don't know if you <laughs> had anything else you wanted to cover. Yes, let, let's kick on. <laughs> All right. So um, and now I'm going to look for, <laughs> I actually have to find the first one. Just give me a second here, Alex, while I pull it up. But I will say, once again, you picked out a, a set of apply wire candidates this week, and they've got, um, they're kind of all over the map, both geographically and in terms of the, you know, issues that we're, we're dealing with. But um, let's move on. I've got, I've got our first one up now. I had a little bit of a technical glitch, but here we go. So this is going to be wiretaps candidate number one. So this is, as I said, an apply wire entry. And this person, it looks like they're not going to be um, starting business school until 23. Um, they are applying to seven schools, and those schools include Duke, Michigan, Minnesota Carlson, MIT Sloan, Kellogg, Booth, and UVA Darden. This person's been working in engineering and industrial automation in the gas and chemical industry. And their post-MBA career, they list other. Um, we'll get into that in a moment. A GMAT score is a 710. They are going to retake it because they've been scoring much higher on their mock tests. So they're going to retake that. Their GPA is a 3.76. And they've got three and a half years of work experience to date. They're located in the Midwest. And they'd love to stay there or land on the East Coast. And Alex, I know you initially posted a comment to this person. And so I'll let you kind of start things off and walk us through. I also chimed in on the site too, but let, let's get into it. What do you make of this candidacy? And um, yeah, they, they gave us a lot more sort of data in, in the post about, you know, some of their outside activities and things, but what do you think of this candidate overall? Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, I think this is potentially a very strong candidate. I mean, they're a chemical engineering undergrad, and we know that's one of the toughest disciplines um, for, for, for undergraduate study. Um, and rigorous, I should say, not necessarily tough, but rigorous. Um, yeah. and, and the 376 GPA out of chemical engineering, I think, is absolutely fantastic. They've got a 710 GMAT, but they are very disappointed with that, i.e. they think there's significant room for improvement. If there is significant room for improvement, then yes, you should be taking it again so that you do present your maximum score, that sort of standard advice. And they think they can do that. They're, they're, like you say, they're, they're planning to apply next season, so they have some time. Um, so so, so that's, um, that, that's good. Um, so let's assume that they come to the application process with the 740 GMAT, with the 376 chemical engineering undergrad, with four and a half years experience at that point, with several promotions at work. Um, they're struggling a little bit in terms of trying to figure out how they're going to portray or articulate their impact. It's not just about managing people, but it's about sort of your, your overall impact in terms of what you've done, what projects you've been on, how that's changed, you know, the impacts of those projects or whatever it might be. But there's several ways to look at um, impact. So, um I think, on the whole, all that side of the candidacy is um, going to be um, um, quite strong. I mean, it might be that their extracurriculars are a little bit on the weaker side, 
Um, I'd have to sort of remind myself exactly what what they've done. Well, they said they do. They said that they play pickleball and hockey. Yeah. And I don't know if they mean ice hockey, but or maybe field hockey. I'm not sure. Or street hockey. But and then they also mentioned they really enjoy riding their motorcycle, yeah. which you know is kind of a solo thing, but did jump out at me as kind of you know you don't see everyone talking about that. So yeah, they don't have big time community service. But that's they're talking about maybe getting into some stuff with rotary. So that was their kind of EC profile. Yeah, yeah. So, so the point is they're not unidimensional, i.e. they only work. Um, so they can check the box of being more multidimensional with their sort of athletic pursuits. I presume pickleball is some kind of sport. I don't even know what that is, Graham. I think it's some. I think it's in the tennis family, okay. um, if I remember correctly. But I'm. It's new and it's sort of all the rage in the U.S. for some reason. Yeah, but I don't know much about it. <laughs> yeah, no, very good. So it doesn't involve pickles. That I know yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had no idea what it was, but I enjoyed. <laughs> Thing. And like you say, riding motorcycles, and and that th- there could be some, something about that sort of adventure and and, and travel or whatever that, that they can package. They're trying to get involved in something um, like their rotary, but I wouldn't force something just to show um, something to the admissions committee, right? So you know, we really do think there's high value to be uh, drawn from extracurricular activities to sort of show that you're well-rounded, show that you have sort of compassion and passion for other um, issues and so on and so forth. But trying to force it, usually ADCOM will sniff that out. So do stuff you're truly interested in and passionate about. And yeah. in this case, it might be more on the athletic, the sports side, and it's it's also with with what they're doing, the motorcycle. But frankly, I think all the other aspects of this candidacy, Graham, sort of strike me as this is a solid, solid M7 type candidate if they get all their ducks in a row. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of they've, they, they've got another sort of year or at least several months before they've actually got to start thinking about applying, right, if they're applying next season. Mm-hmm. And they're not coming from probably an environment that's sort of chock full of MBAs. So maybe some of their perception of the process is a tad naive, but they'll get through that over the next several months and be able to string together a really solid candidacy, I would think, Graham. Yeah, and I want to put you on the spot and ask you a very direct question because they they said in their post that, you know, they had the list of schools that that I mentioned, which, you know, is kind of a, um, it's sort of a wide variety of schools, but it doesn't, it's not top heavy, that's for sure. It's not M7 heavy, I guess you could say, you know, as compared to other people we see. Yeah. And they mentioned that they wondered if they should um, apply to schools lower ranking to get more scholarship dollars, and they refer to the immense opportunity cost of getting an MBA. And that made me realize that, yeah, they're probably not coming from a background where everyone around them is going off to get the degree because you hear that sort of rhetoric a lot in people who are maybe a little less familiar with the degree. And so what do you think about this? Like, should they apply to lower ranking schools to get more dollars or what? No, I completely agree. And that was the signal to me that they're a little bit Again, I, I hate to use the word naive because, you know, there might be sort of negative connotations to that. But, um, but, but you know, they're, 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 their risk tolerance is probably not as high as other folks that are around the MBA more closely and really understand the payback and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, now, in terms of wanting to target lower rank programs in order to get scholarship money, in order to reduce the, the burden, the cost, and so on and so forth, that strategy is fine 
if those lower ranked programs can still allow you to execute on your goals, uh, whatever your goals are, uh, and um, to, to the maximum, right? So, I mean, for example, let's say the, 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 the goal was just in sort of management consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sure, top 20 program will get you into management consulting, top 25, that's fine, top 16 will, top 10, five, whatever. But it's clear that the higher the profile, the higher the tier of school that you attend, the more access you will have to, let's say, and you know, McKinsey, um, Bain, and BCG, which are the, the top tier management consulting firms. Sure. So, so by dropping lower to get the scholarship money, you're reducing your opportunity for that really high. Um, high paying or or whatever um, outcome and so on and so forth. So so they really need to factor that in, depending on you know the the specificity of their goal focus. Yeah. Um, that their strategy could backfire. We always say, Graham. I think try to go to the school from the highest tier that you can. The opportunities are ridiculously brilliant at this point, or at least according to the Wall Street Journal or whatever. Yeah, there was, Alex is referring to that, there's a recent article um, for our listeners that, you know, that that the journal published about how the MBA is one of the few master's degrees that is absolutely a good deal, even if you're borrowing money, you know, to, to pay for it, um, which most people are, uh, it, it totally pays back. So so I think, yeah, it, it is, I know it's daunting and there is an immense opportunity cost, yeah. but if you look at the outcomes and the average starting salaries and the time to pay back, the MBA wins every time, especially if you go to the top programs. So I just, yeah, I would encourage that, that this, you know, candidate to keep that in mind. Um, but again, great candidacy. And I feel like if they nail the GMAT the way that they really, it sounds like they're going to be able to as they retake it, um, they, they should be in great shape. They have a lot to offer. They have some interesting career plans, potentially initially with consulting, but in the long term with energy and renewables. So there's a lot going on here, and I'm, I'm hoping that they can, I know I always say this, but I'm hoping they can weave some of their you know, existing experiences in the energy sector um, into those goals, because that'll help them stand out as opposed to just sort of saying, yeah, I just want to do consulting and for any industry, right? So um, again, very interesting candidate, and they're fortunate in that they're kind of an early bird, they're ready to go, so they have all this extra time. Um, before we move on, Alex, to our next candidate, I wanted to, I, I looked this up, and I think, our, I think we owe it to our listeners. Pickleball um, is a paddleball sport that combines elements of badminton, table tennis, and tennis. Two or four players use solid paddles made of wood or composite materials to hit a perforated polymer ball, much like a wiffle ball, um, over a net. So it is really kind of like tennis, but with kind of ping pong sized like these weird paddles and a strange ball. Um, I think the court's smaller than a tennis court. But anyway, there you have it. <laughs> that, that's fantastic. You've taught me something I'll never need to know again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this is an applywire entry, and this person's actually in the process of applying right now. They actually applied to some schools in round one, and they've got another batch of schools that they're prepping for round two. Uh, the list of schools is seven long, and it includes Columbia, Harvard, MIT, Stanford, Chicago Booth, Wharton, and Yale. 
So a really top, this is a more top heavy <laughs> list uh, as compared to our first candidate. And again, they want to start school next fall. They've been working in government um, and they want to work in nonprofit social impact after business school. Um, they've got a 720 on the GMAT and a 3.8 GPA. They've been working for seven years and they're located in Taipei, Taiwan. Uh, this person does mention they're a Taiwanese uh, national female and they've been working in public financial infrastructure. And in fact, their employer is um, sponsoring them. So they literally can go back and work there after business school. I believe they're the only employee that managed to win this sort of sponsorship, which is great. They also include in their notes that they speak um, their mother tongue, which I'm going to assume is, is Mandarin Chinese, uh, that they also speak English and fluent French, and that they're learning Japanese. So um, there's a lot more I could get into here. Th th I would like for you, Alex, to walk us through where they applied so far and what those results have been, because that's important to factor in as we give them advice. But, you know, they've had some good news, mostly good news, but also some more, um, you know, <laughs> middle, middle ground news. So why don't you walk us through what's happened so far and then, yeah, share your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that this candidate applied in round one, got some results and is, is strategizing for round two. Um, they've got an admission that Columbia early decision and they're waitlisted at Sloan without an interview. Yeah. Um, so, and I, and I think they also got admitted to Yale, um, if, if, if memory serves. That's right. Um, so yeah, fair play. They've done very well. So now they're thinking, well, I should have a, 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 a reach at Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, um, and, and maybe also um, Chicago in the second round. Um, so, so I think that's very good. So, so the, the, the sort of elephant in the room here is you've got admitted to Columbia early decision. Are you obliged to go? Should you um, be considering round two applications? And this is a question that several candidates struggle with um, each season. And there's lots of differing opinion <laughs> in terms of what candidates should do. So, Graham, I'm just going to bounce it back to you. Imagine we're playing pickleball and I'm <laughs> knocking the ball back to you with whatever paddle I'm using. And I'm going to ask you first for your opinion on that. And then I will add mine. But I don't want to go first because <laughs> I might get fired or something like that. No, no. I think, I mean, this is an interesting one, right? Because uh, technically Columbia's early decision round is designed for people who, you know, plan to go there. And so you get in and the idea is you withdraw other applications. I mean, it does happen where people get other results or, you know, but the idea is that if you get in, you go. They have a very hefty deposit. Um, which is in place for this precise reason. So, you know, I think you're only given a few weeks to make the decision and deposit. And maybe this candidate has deposited, or maybe they've said, you know what, I'd actually rather go to Yale. And so they're they're going to let that offer from Columbia expire and, and apply elsewhere in round two. I don't, I don't know. Um, personally, uh, I you know, this has always been a point of controversy in that some people say, well, you shouldn't be applying elsewhere once you've got an admit from ED if you're, you know, in that it'd be really unfair to hold that spot or something. So you get into this gray area where, you know, Columbia is one of the only schools that sort of operates this way. So it's, it's just, it, it, it's uh, a bit of an outlier in the market. You know, most other schools you apply, you get in, you've got plenty of time to sort of figure out if you want to go there, you could shop around, et cetera. So I, this is a tough one. I always come down um, on the side. I'm kind of pro-applicant in this 
sort of domain in that I feel like, you know, let, let people choose. Um, and so now, obviously, I think what Columbia would say is if that's the case, they should have just applied in the regular round, right? But it, you know, this is, it is a tough call. I think my view is that because the deposit is so big um, compared to a regular MBA program deposit, it's sort of like, well, if you, if you want to deposit and walk away from that money, then that's, that's the cost of it, you know? And, and so it, it it's, I, I don't, you know, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I feel like Columbia can fill their class, you know, several times over with great candidates. So I don't know. Um, it is a tough, it's a tough call. What's your take on this? I think it's a very tough call because quite frankly, if you applied regular decision to Columbia, you're at a disadvantage because Columbia doesn't think that you're prioritizing it because you should have applied early decision. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, it is a real conundrum. So I have absolute empathy, well, not empathy because I'm obviously not um, targeting these programs myself, but I completely understand folks that do choose to walk away from that decision um, and in, in this case, take a, take a shot at, um, are they eligible for Stanford or, or, or Harvard or, 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 um, or Wharton? Um, you know, I'm not sure, you know, whether, whether it's worth going, jumping through hoops to also apply to Chicago. I mean, to me, Chicago, Columbia, they're in the same tier. Uh, they're both outstanding programs, but whether it's worth walking away from Columbia's early decision to go to Chicago is a bit more of a debate. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a very tough decision. This looks like an outstanding candidate. As you said, sponsored. Looks like they've got some really good global experience. Um, and, you know, they, they check the boxes in terms of, you know, several other factors. Um, and yeah, why wouldn't you take a, a shot at Stanford? I think Stanford is the one that they're really um, keen on. So, um, so, so take a shot. Yeah, they're a humanities major undergrad, yeah. and they're thinking that they, that may be a bit of a weakness in the sense of their quantitative readiness. Graham, that's not a weakness at all, right? I know, I, mean, I know. <laughs> yeah, Let, let's, let's quash that. Yeah. As long as they've shown quant aptitude on, on the, the GMAT or whatever, yeah. um, that's not a problem. And in fact, Graham, I mean, I forget what sort of degree you might have got, but it certainly wasn't quant focused, right? <laughs> no, no, mine was art history. But yeah. I think, you know, I think she also, her role is, you know, a public finance uh, yeah. infrastructure. So I feel like, yeah, and, and the GMAT 720, I don't know what the quant percentile is. I actually asked her that on the, on yeah. the site. She hasn't responded, but yeah. it's, um, yeah, I feel like she, this is a great candidacy and should absolutely look at some of these other programs in round two. Uh, and you know, I, I think I wouldn't rule out, you know, that offer from Yale too, if she, like in the sense that, um, you know, she's sponsored, Yale has an amazing brand in Asia where she's going back, um, as a university, it's, you know, a kind of world renowned you know, school, she's going to be working in social impact. So there's some Yale, I, I, you know, she needs to look carefully at Yale as well, especially if she's trying to decide, oh, do I put down the deposit at Columbia? What, what am I doing here? Like, what's the next step? Yeah. But, but I do agree with you. Chicago's the one that I'm sort of like, well, she already has an offer from within that tier and she's going to apply to these others. Like, yeah, I just wonder, you know, some of it depends on how much time she has and, and her recs. And, but I don't know. If she has time, I guess apply everywhere, see where the chips fall and, and where the dollars fall. She might get some scholarship or so you never know. Yeah. But this is a tough one. I mean, I think, you know, it's, <laughs> we get one of these every year. So it's just fun to talk about, but it, it is a conundrum, as you said. And a, a terrific candidate again. Absolutely. All right. So let's move on. I want to thank her for posting and move on to Wiretaps candidate number three. 
So this is another apply wire entry from a candidate that is in process. I think they're mostly applying in round two. They've got six schools on the target list, and those schools are Cornell, Duke, Harvard, Stanford, UCLA, and USC. Um, they have been working in sales, operations, and project management at a healthcare company. Um, they would love to stay in the kind of pharma domain post-MBA. Um, they mentioned Johnson & Johnson as a potential target, so they're, they're interested in healthcare. GMAT score, 700. The undergraduate GPA is a 7.3 um, out of 10, I presume. They've got four years of experience, I think mostly done in a rotational leadership program where they receive four promotions. Again, healthcare industry. Um, this candidate wants to land in the U.S., but mentions that they are from... Latin America, and I believe that, uh, I don't know where they said it, but they studied um, engineering and they had an above average um, GPA for their class. So I think they were trying to signal that 7.3 out of 10 was actually pretty good for the school they attended. And they said it was the third best university in all of Latin America. So that's kind of the background. Um, I know you had some dialogue with this candidate and we're thinking together, you and I were talking a bit about the target schools list. Yeah. But walk us through what, what are the odds that this person gets in, or you know, not percentage odds, because like, we don't really do that. But just what do you, what's your take on this candidacy and where they should be applying given their goals? Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, this is another great candidate in my book. I mean, maybe the numbers aren't quite as outstanding as our prior two candidates, um, um, and, and 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 such. But um, you know, this candidate's from Latin America, which sort of generally is, is slightly underrepresented. Female from Latin America, so that sort of adds to that. She's done very well at work as far as I can um, tease out in terms of what, what she's, she's posted. Um, she, her, her numbers are very, very decent, I think, um, without being necessarily outstanding, but nevertheless, they're, they're within range of top programs. I'm a little concerned that she's, in terms of her target program, she's you know, shooting at the moon a bit for Harvard and Stanford and then being very realistic, as it were, with, with Johnson, Fuqua, um, Anderson and, and Marshall. And there's a gap between the two. So if, if I'm sort of advising on strategy in terms of, uh, you know, targeting programs specifically, and she's interested in healthcare, Graham, and or at least that's sort of a lot of her, her sort of experience and so forth. I'm like Wharton and Kellogg sort of smack me in the face as really th these are, should be the target programs um, um, for this candidate, and that sort of sits between that sort of Harvard, Stanford, and then you got Wharton, Kellogg, or whatever before you hit Duke is another very good program for for healthcare that she has on the list and, and so on and so forth. So I think she should be looking at um, readjusting a little bit her, her, her tar target list of schools, mm -hmm. having a bit more confidence overall in her candidacy. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, there's a, again, there's a lot to like here, Graham. Yeah. And I was going to say, I did some digging on the GMAT um, percentiles and she's, you know, 700 overall, but she's going to retake the test, yeah. but she has a 74th percentile on the math and, you know, and the verbal was something like, yeah, where is it? 80, 80th percentile. So 
a balanced score, which is a nice thing to see. So there's not like this sort of glaring weakness jumping out. Um, and again, we talked about this a lot, but applying from Latin America, the average test scores are not as high as they are out of, say, India yeah. or the US yeah. because there's not a tradition of standardized testing in these markets, right? So I'm, I'm okay. I mean, obviously, if she takes the test again, it'll certainly boost her odds of getting into some of the very best schools if she performs better. Um, but I could not agree more that I was puzzling over the school selection because, and, and actually, <laughs> I, I mean, this is maybe silly, but part of me was thinking, you know, boy, there's a lot of warm weather climates on the list here. You've got Duke, which is in the South. You've got Stanford, UCLA, and USC, which are all in sunny California. <laughs> so I was kind of wondering if like, you know, there was kind of an aversion to being in a kind of, you know, cold market with the exception of, you know, she's got Harvard on the list, which, you know, I think a lot of people want to apply to Harvard because it's, you know, such a big, <laughs> big brand. And then she has Cornell. So that's the only one that was sort of a mystery. I, I think Cornell just dispels that myth just right there it's not known as being warm in the winter grain no i know but i was trying to figure out like where's this list coming from because when i think of someone who wants to work in healthcare you know the first thing i think of is wharton's healthcare management program because it's one of the only i think it's the only top mba program where you literally declare it's a special track you know that you declare as you're applying um so i was thinking of wharton i was thinking of kellogg like you said um duke which is on her list even um, michigan ross has been doing a lot of interesting things in the healthcare domain. And obviously some of the schools on her list, like Duke um, and Harvard, and to some extent Cornell, have interesting things happening there too. But I just was trying to figure out you know, where, where this list came from. Um, and I feel like, yeah, it could probably be revised and revisited. And you know, to some extent, depending on the GMAT, it could be shifted upscale a little bit. Um, I mean, these are all great schools. These are all arguably top 16 type schools. But you know, when you talk about a Kellogg or a Wharton, like you're saying, they might fill that gap between the Harvard or Stanford and the USC, right? Yeah. So um, in any event, I, I think this is a great candidate. And I did forget to mention that her first remark in her notes was, hey, guys, love the podcast. So um, that must be why you picked her, Alex. <laughs> that was one of the reasons. One of the <laughs> other reasons was we didn't have a lot of choice on who to pick this week, frankly, Graham. Oh, really? So more okay. <laughs> apply wire entries. Would 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 be would be very welcome. But no, seriously, great candidate, and obviously it's really um, great that she loves the podcast. The only other thing that I would add to this conversation is she's also done MBA math, Graham. Yeah, which to me sort of shows that she is doing everything that she can to be appealing to the very top program. So so kudos for doing that. Yeah, and I think, you know, that you couple that with the humanities major and it's a non-issue. Yeah. You know, she has a decent GMAT quant percentile. No, she's not the humanities major, Graham. She's the engineer. Oh, that's right. She's the engineer. Sorry, I'm going, I'm getting my candidates confused now. Yes, come on, man. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm not worried about this aspect of her profile. Yeah. I mean, obviously if she takes the test and does even better, you know, super, right? But I think she could get into some top schools as is. Um, I, yeah, I guess the only other thing I wanted to mention is that, and this is something that was really appealing, is that, you know, she mentioned that she's, you know, she has all these other activities and she's been to 60 countries. So I don't know, there's just a lot to like here um, in terms of, you know, if I'm an admissions reader seeing this. So again, I would encourage her to just think carefully about school selection, 
but yeah, it's, it seems like this could be someone who ends up with multiple offers if all goes to plan. Yeah, 60 countries. Wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. So um, in any event, that's kind of uh, our final candidate for this week. I did want to say, you know, you mentioned we need more apply wire entries. I was thinking that at some point, and maybe as soon as next week, or maybe it's the week after, we'll, we'll get into um, doing some of the decision wire discussion as people have multiple offers and are trying to decide. We often like to chime in on those too. Yeah. So stay tuned for that because that's always fun to see, you know, where where someone's gotten in, what kind of dollars they've got uh, on offer from these schools and how to pick where to go. So that'll be fun too. Yeah. Um, Alex, uh, thanks for picking these out. Um, I want to ask our listeners to please tell at least one person you know about this podcast and obviously stay tuned. We'll be back next week with another episode of Wiretaps. Very good. Thank you, Graham. Stay safe, everyone. Good luck.